to edition 22 of All Killer No Filler podcast with me, Rachel Fairburn, and Kerry Pritchard McLean. Just before we start, we'll do our usual disclaimer. This isn't hero worship. We're doing this podcast because we have a mutual interest. We're very fascinated by serial killers, and as long as we're doing this podcast, it stops us from writing to them in prison. Episode 22. 22. I feel, feel like we should start this one with an apology from me specifically. Because uh, we're doing Ronald Joseph Dominique, who I only had a cursory knowledge of, and I, for some reason, was convinced that he used to feed his victims to crocodiles. Now, I don't know where I've got that from, and it's bad that that is just a default thing that I shoot. I feel really bad, because some of you might have got really excited and be like, oh, it's the crocodile gang for next week. Basically, I feel like those, you know those, like, ghost trains in Blackpool, and they look really scary, and then when you go on them, it's just a drama student in a bin bag with a Freddy Krueger claw. (laughs) And so... So this is a serial killer. I think you've got him mixed up with something that happened in a James Bond film. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was something that happened in one of those. Um, Although I've never seen one, surprisingly. Oh my God. They overrated other, Rachel. Come on. Just not interested. <laughs> so I'm really sorry about that, but there's still plenty to talk about. Yes. I, I imagine, there are some people who are like, well, no, I'm not listening to it anymore. I've just knocked it off. Fuck you. A thousand iPads closed down. <laughs> Uh, right, so this is Ronald Joseph Dominique, yep. known as the Bayou Killer. Yep. Or Am I saying that word right? Bayou? Bayou. Bayou. Bayou Strangler, or Bayou Killer, or Bayou Bastard. It all worked. Uh, he was born on the 9th of January 1964 in Tibado, Louisiana, which sounds like somewhere I would find fascinating. Yeah. I'm obsessed with these southern states. I don't know why. I just find them really fascinating. I'd be scared if I ever went there, I would be executed while I was out there. <laughs> Got I, a real fear. I would really like to... I've been to uh, Atlanta, and I've been to Florida. I've always wanted to go to New Orleans, and I was going to book to go there about ten years ago. Then I watched a documentary, and I was like, that was really scary. <laughs> you know, because of all the sort of voodoo stuff. Yeah. And stuff that I would really find fascinating, but... Just something put me off. Yeah, you'd be afraid if you scratch someone's car in the supermarket, you get you all your pubes would fall out. Or yeah, something. definitely. I don't think that's a Haitian curse, but I've said it now. I think that's very convenient in these current times. <laughs> I, I think that sometimes about alopecia. Oh God, Kiri, this is going to end up getting cut out. But I was like, Gail Porter listens to this. <laughs> um, that you know, like I'd be happy to draw my eyebrows on and wear a wig if I could get rid of the rest. If I open the door one day and Duncan Goodhue and Gail Porter are standing there. Uh, angry, red-faced and headed. <laughs> you were to blame for this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been to Memphis, Tennessee as well. It's a great southern state. Are you trying to Are you trying to um, wax lyrical about America because you know we've got a lot of people listening in America? Yeah, I really I live in America. Can we Can we come and live with you? Lot? Can we go and do a special over there? Yeah, can we're also we? big in Ghana. So if anyone's got anything <laughs> positive to say about Ghana, I don't know anything about the place. So basically, we don't know loads about his life growing up. No, because this is a funny case considering he. It, well, they think he killed more than twenty three yep. people. He was prosecuted for eight in the end. But we don't know loads about his life because this case never really caught the imagination of the public, which means that people didn't really dig into his personal life, which um, is bad for us, really. Um, And we'll talk about that later. But what we do know about him is that he was bullied at school for being gay, which he always denied. We know he had a sister because he was living with her when he was arrested. And a mother. And a mother. And he lived in a caravan. Is that science? Yeah. (laughs) And a mother. Uh, He probably had a father as well. (laughs) Uh, We can't speculate at this point. We can't speculate now. But he did live on, in sort of a 
static caravan type thing on his oh yeah like alan partridge like alan partridge (laughs) and my friend phil who did that for a number of years the caravan that he lived on his parents drive now is is now known as the cottage oh that's very nice and now they vote conservative yes (laughs) we do know that in school though he was in a glee club which i think is beautiful um, so he was, yeah, I mean, come on, he was still denying that he was gay and he was in a musical theatre <laughs> club. Um, I really want there to be a serial killer glee club because we know John Wayne Gacy liked a choir, don't we? Yes, he, he did, he did. So have those two singing a duet. Maybe Geoffrey Dahmer on drums. Yeah. BTK on piano. Definitely. Just a small town girl. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, I can't wait for the Madonna episode. Yeah. <laughs> he used to do drag as well. Of course he did. <laughs> he, he used to dress up, was it like, and sing Patti LaBelle? Patti LaBelle, yeah. I'm not sure what his drag name was, but he wasn't even, he wasn't accepted in that community either. No. He, was, he didn't fit in in the heterosexual community or the sort of community at large. He didn't fit in in the gay community. They thought he was weird. And the drag community, which you would think... Oh, it's like, you know, it's the Deep South. This isn't really accepted. We're all together in this. They mm. didn't like him either. Well, yeah, it's because it said that of the gay community that it, was, it wasn't it was particularly out, but they were very close-knit. So they weren't very vocal as a community, but they were very close. And he was, he was sort of an outsider within a group of outsiders, if you like. Have you noticed how everything's a community now? <laughs> so, yeah, the, the gay community, the straight community... The paedophile community. <laughs> I didn't like, know that Everything's was a, community. a community. I've heard the paedophile community. Really? I, everything's a community. I've, I don't know what community I'm in. The female comic community. The female comedian community. There you go. He is a really weird looking guy. Um, you should look up a picture of him. He sort of looks like a face drawn on a thumb, but his face is weird because it's like... How can I describe it? All the features are really close together in the middle. He looks like, you know when you go to a posh restaurant and the food there's a massive plate but a tiny bit of food in the middle? That's what his face looks like. The Dominique special. <laughs> it's just some ham tied up. <laughs> yeah, so he's got a really weird looking face. He's quite a big lad as well. Now this whole um, investigation was a mess. It was a total mm-hmm. shit show. There's various reasons for that. Um, one being the the worst one in that his victims were predominantly black gay guys, so no one cared yeah, from a poor community. From a poor community, the poor the, the poverty community. Oh, the poverty See? community. Everything's community <laughs> from the poor community, and he these were sort of disadvantaged people. They were black men. There wasn't that much interest. No, it was poorly reported, and. It wasn't white, middle-class little girls that yeah. were murdered, so nobody... Well, we've even found it hard to find information on... We, we can get names, but not anything else on the victims, because it just seems that no-one really cared about them, which is really sad. Mm. If you think about how much information is out there about John Bonet Ramsey, mm. which is one white, pretty, middle-class girl in America, and how little information there is on 23 yeah. guys, most of which who are black, it's, it's really sad... So that's one of the reasons why it's hard to find information. One of the others is that why it took, I think, longer than it should have for this to come to justice is because um, this area was a real hot spot for murders, wasn't it? Oh, this is incredible and terrifying, (laughs) right? So over 20 years in the Deep South, in this particular area, Louisiana, there was five serial killers operating. It's mad. Five. And uh, since 1997... 
there's close to 70 men and women who have been murdered. Jesus. At the exact point you said that, your dog sort of whimpered in the background. I like know. He was really empathising. I'm going to be honest, it. that's not my dog, I'm looking after it, and I do think I might be stepping onto a serial killer style <laughs> scale by murdering an animal this <laughs> afternoon. It's terrifying, isn't it? It's very, very odd. So obviously the police are a bit... Bit busy. There's so many murders. They're trying to. It's figuring out the patterns, and some of them might have overlapped in patterns. Yeah. I know one was killing women, so that would obviously have been different. But you know, if if the mo because he strangled them, if there were strangles, people might not. You know, they might yeah. not have made the link. Well, the other serial killers uh, apparently it were Derek Toddley, Sean Vincent Gillis, Jeffrey Lee Gilroy. I think his name was. One that wasn't caught, the Jennings killer, still at large. Oh, God. Sounds a bit like a public school boy. Jennings, (laughs) put that knife down. (laughs) A year before the police caught up with Dominique was Hurricane Katrina, Mm -hmm. which obviously devastated that whole area. And, you know, like emergency services were diverted into ignoring black people in another way. So, I mean, there was there was obviously like a big, you know, it was all hands on deck for this rebuilding after the hurricane. So I think that these serial killers could have sort of operated. When dead bodies were turning up, it wasn't necessarily the first thought to be that it was a serial killer. Especially as with Dominique's victims, they didn't have any signs of an outward struggle mm. because he would bind them and he, he would tie them up and then he would strangle them. So it just looked like, you know, a lot of the time there weren't really any marks on the body. So, um, yeah, these are the reasons and excuses as to why they didn't catch up with him for a yeah. while. They should have really had their eye on him, but earlier because he did have um, he did have a, a criminal record mm-hmm. for quite an uh, quite an exciting array of of different offences, didn't he? Yeah, there was forcible rape. He uh, horrifically uh, raped a guy, and the guy reported it. And apparently that was the turning point for these murders because he decided that when he was going to rape people, which is a conscious decision he made, that he would then kill them and then there would be no one to press charges, which is the most perverse logic yeah. I've ever heard. I still want to rape, but I don't want to go to prison. Yeah. But, it, I mean, he got out early. He was he was prosecuted, but he only served three months because at the trial, the man he raped went missing and they couldn't get him to... Do, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Mm. Um, and they couldn't get him to testify in court because he wasn't there. So he got a diminished sentence of, of three months in prison. He also... There was an incident where a chap, a young black male, was seen climbing out of Dominique's window screaming, he tried to kill me. Yeah, he tried to kill and rape yeah. me. Yeah, with no top on. And, and ran away. So He was running around the trailer park screaming that. And they were like, oh, boys will be boys. Yeah. <laughs> they literally did that thing like they did with Dharma and went, well, that's gay business. It's a gay thing. Yeah. Yeah, we'll stay out. Well, they thought it was a sex game. I, I'm not I'm not au fait with what the gay community, <laughs> let's call them, are up to. But, like, guys, you've got a really bad rap when it comes to what you get up to with each other. Maybe you need to all just tone it down for three years and, and everyone will take what you're saying a bit more seriously. Because it's definitely that that needs to be corrected, not institutionalised homophobia. (laughs) Um, But he had a criminal record as well for um, battery. Yes. Uh, He hit a woman. This is is Mardi Gras. Yeah, this is quite a camp offence, isn't it? He slapped a woman at a Mardi Gras. (laughs) Who apparently hit her child. Uh, She hit the child, apparently. He then hit her. Oh, she apologised, then he hit her. It's a bit like some really bad carry-on. Film, yeah, carry on Mardi Gras, and then a bra pinged up, <laughs> and he wasn't interested. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he also had a 
conviction for telephone harassment. Yeah, PPI. PPI, yeah. I don't know if our American listeners get PPI, do they? Oh, do they? You must all get uh, double glazing. What do they want to sell in America? Freedom. (laughs) (laughs) I've also got a theory about him that he had long fingernails. (laughs) And this doesn't come from any evidence whatsoever. But look at a picture. He's totally got the vibe of a guy with very long fingernails. Or worse, one on just one hand and he doesn't play guitar. Now, I find it gross enough when guys who play guitar have long fingernails on one hand because I play guitar and I don't. And I just don't think there's any need for it. And it reminds me of, you know, in of, of Mice and Men, is it Curly? Curly, who has uh, one glove on to keep his hands soft for his wife. It makes me feel ill. He always reminds me slightly of, and I might have told this story on this podcast before because it does spring into my mind quite frequently with um, people like this uh he looks like he has a an aroma around him he looks like he stinks really yeah and reminds me of this particular smell i was given some scented candles by a person (laughs) i worked with i might have told this before but i'm gonna tell it again no i've not heard this and they were sort of glittery candles it was like a secret santa thing i was like oh they look nice not really asked about candles i'll give them a light and i was sitting on the sofa and i'm going they stink (laughs) and i can't think what they stink of and I had to throw them in the bin, and the smell lingered for a good day. And I knew what they reminded me of. It clicked. I was like, they smell like a man that used to come into where I worked who stank, and I could never pinpoint what the smell oh, was. God. They smelled of that man. That's horrible. What if they'd murdered him, melted him down, and made him into candles? <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. And he just. The when new I... Yankee candle range, unsavoury <laughs> gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, just horrible, horrible smell. And when I look at Dominique, that's what it conjures up. Oh god, yeah. Well, it was a hot. It's it's really hot down there because that, that was another problem with the bodies that they couldn't really pinpoint when they were killed because the decomposition, because it's so humid and yep. warm there, was making them decompose faster. And and he's quite a big lad as well. I very much doubt he smelled like flowers. Oh, he's gonna stink. So let's get on to the victims. Um. As best we can. Mm-hmm. So the first guy that's thought to have been killed is called David Leveron Mitchell, and they found his remains in 1997. That is all we know about him. Yeah, sadly. The second one again, Gary Pierre, 20 years old, 1997. Yeah. Uh, third one, Larry Ranson, July 98. She's cracking on a bit. Isn't yeah, he was 38. And there's obviously more. Yeah, there's definitely more. Absolutely, definitely more. Um, Because these are just the ones that they found. There'll be some that have been washed away and things. So his victims were between the ages of sort of 19 and 40. Oliver Banks was 27. They found his remains October the 5th, 98. God, he's had a busy few years, hasn't he? Uh, This one, number five, Manuel Reed. Horrible. I hate this one. I mean, they're all horrible, but this one is particularly like... He was only 19. Yeah. And they found him May 30th, Mm. 1999. And they found him in a bin. Which I think is just... And obviously it is disrespectful to rape and strangle someone. Yeah. But to dump their body in a bin and then to be found there is just so, so horrifying. I mean, he's flinging these bodies to the side of the road or into... Ditches. Ditches and little stretches of water. And he's just dumping them. But they had this particular one when he threw him in the bin. Something obviously triggered something with him, I think. He might have said something to him or... Oh, do you think? I think he's said something or, you know, maybe something's happened and he's took it incredibly personally and then when he's murdered him, he's gone, you're actually a rubbish and I'm going to throw you in the oh, bit. And I God. think that was... Oh, I... I've so got he's a like, theory. I don't think you sound anything like Patty LaBelle. Yeah. 
don't like your wig. Mm. And he's thrown him in the bin. So I, I think it's just a horrible, depressing end to someone's yeah. life, that. There was another victim that was found. Um, I, I'm not sure which one it was, but um, he was found... He was dumped in cornfields, and there's lots of rats that live there, and he was basically... Sorry to be graphic, he was easy. his remains were eaten by rats. Mm. And one of his family members was saying that was the worst thing to think of how he was just dumped there and, and the end that he came to was, was even sadder. So, yeah, I just think anything like that, there's like an added level of disrespect. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. And then Chris Sutterfield was 27. He was found um, October 15th, 98. And then we've just got a list of names. Yeah. So Kurt Cunningham was also a victim Christaville uh, and Wayne Smith. So those are the ones that he was prosecuted for. And then they, even though they think it, that he was linked to 23 plus, they just didn't bother after that, did they? No, they're just the ones he was charged with. Yeah, because the... they said, we know he did more, but it would be a waste of taxpayers' money to pursue it any further because he's pleaded guilty anyway. But I always think that's a bit dodgy because my thing there is that if they're not pros- prosecuting him for say, my brother's murder or something, That does that also mean that that family isn't entitled to compensation? Because mm. that makes me feel really uncomfortable. That, because that's what happened with Shipman. Yeah. They went, no, case closed now. Obviously he killed loads of people, but sorry. That's it, bye. Yeah. yeah, just a bit. Try and find out if he did do some of the others, because there's a lot of serial killers happening in this area. That's a good point. So maybe... You might want to eliminate ones that you didn't do. Yeah, it's like doing a jigsaw. You've got to do all the edges first, don't you, before you start yeah. doing the middle. Very slapdash. Yeah. Very slapdash. And, and he had... Not um, very fair. He had a specific MO. So what he would do is he would go to go to a gay bar, usually, and he had a type, because the gay community knew someone was picking off gay guys, but a lot of them weren't worried, because apparently he used to go uh, for people who would walk or use their bicycle to get yeah. around. Uh, watch out, Corbin. Um, <laughs> oh. I'm trying to think. I can't think of an American person or a Ghanaian person that cycles everywhere. Uh, uh, Boris Johnson. Yeah, the, he's maybe they've probably, heard of Boris over there. I didn't know. Do you know uh, Boris Johnson's name is Al? Mm. Everyone calls him Al, and he says people who don't like me call me Boris. I'm not a Tory, by the way. You're not Just... talking about the accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what he used to do is he'd pick them up at gay bars and he'd say, "Will you come home and have?" If they were gay, he'd say, "Will you come home and have sex for money?" Or he'd pick them up at the side of the road. And if they said, "I'm not," uh, if they said yes, he'd get in the car and take them back. And if he said, "No, I'm not gay," he'd take a different approach, didn't he? Yes, he would have a picture of a, an attractive white woman and say, "Do you want to come and stop this woman for a bit of cash?" Yeah, you'd say, "This is my wife, and she wants you to come and have sex for money." And they'd be like, "Oh, I didn't realise you're married to Sarah Michelle Gellar." <laughs> Are you Freddie Prince Jr.? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so different. I was trying to think of like someone from that era to reference, and I was going to say Denise Van Outen, but I'm not sure if her beauty spread over the Atlantic. <laughs> I don't think it spread. Um, past spread somewhere. Yeah, spread somewhere. <laughs> Jamiroquai liked her. <laughs> So he'd show them a picture of a, a beautiful white girl and then uh, and then what he'd do is he'd take them back to his caravan. He'd, he'd go, right, I like it when you're tied up, if it was if it was one of the gay guys, and he'd tie them up. And then if it was one of the guys who thought they were having sex with a woman, he would come out with the most unbelievable shit. He would say, no, she's very shy. This is mad. It's like when you do... But she's an actress! Yeah. <laughs> but it's like when you do a puppet show with kids, isn't it? And you go, he's very shy, boys and girls, so we all need to say, come out, Izzy Wizzy. Um, well, Izzy Wizzy did come out. But he, um, 
that you basically go right I need to tie you up otherwise she won't come out and and in a few instances they'd be like fine but there was a guy who was like we're not having this and a couple actually did go you're not tying me up yeah and as soon as they went like he that just he just let them go yeah it's really really strange and depressing this is what his downfall is to we'll get to it towards the end yeah. but this is part of his downfall is a lot of his techniques is like a cross between his type is like very Jeffrey Dahmer esque very Jeffrey Dahmer yeah and his method is slightly BTK yeah. and slightly John Wayne Gacy yeah it is isn't it so he's a bit of a I don't know a mix up of all these things yeah and he's he's a weird one he is peculiar. Very weird. But the bar he used to pick them up from was called Kicks Bar. K I X X X Kicks Bar. He didn't drink, did he? No, he used to. Because this is the thing that they were all just sort of like, oh, it's that weird guy back in the bar, and he would only drink soda all night and play pool. Don't trust these people. What people who play pool? No, people who don't drink. Like, I mean, <laughs> oh, come on. There's, there's a. I've got this thing right. Fred West didn't drink. He used to get everyone else drunk and observe them. Yeah, but Jeffrey Dahmer used to get hammered. Yeah, but there's... And Nilsson, like a pint. Yeah. I don't know. I've just got this thing where... I understand if you're a recovering alcoholic, do not drink. Ever. Or if, you know, you're aggressive when you drink, don't drink. But don't you turn around to me at three in the morning in a nightclub that nobody wants to be in and you're drinking a soft drink. <laughs> Why are you still here? The only reason anyone is in that nightclub at 3am is because they're levered. And they don't want to go home because they want to carry on drinking. Maybe they really like Pepsi. Nobody likes Pepsi. <laughs> Nobody likes Pepsi. I just find it strange that someone would stay out all night claiming to enjoy themselves and they're drinking soft drinks. I suppose, I get that. That it's, that it's a bit creepy because you feel like, are you staying sober so you can tell me what yeah, to that's exactly morning? it. Because I tell you what, there's a few things in life that, that annoy me, but one of my big bugbears is when you've been out, someone says to you the next day, you were drunk last night. <laughs> yeah, I know. I bought the drinks. I drank them. I did it to myself. I know I was drunk, but don't you come round here. <laughs> don't you show up at this side of my hospital bed telling me I was drunk last night. Really annoys me. So, just saying. You're as bad as a serial killer is what I think she's saying. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He had Pass a... me that drink. <laughs> <laughs> he had... Um... So he'd mainly go for these petite black guys. And um, he had this nickname in the gay community, which I love. And they called him, they called him Miss Moped, <laughs> because which sounds like the Roger Hargreaves Mister Men story that never got written. I'd love to read that, Miss Moped. Look, here comes Miss Moped. Brum rum rum. What's that in her hand? It's a homemade tourniquet. <laughs> oh, Miss. Where is he called Miss Moped? Because he apparently he won a moped in a McDonald's competition that he used to ride around. He's a big lad as well. Because apparently he was a really little moped, so he must have looked hilarious. Um, That's not a bad prize, really. It's a very good prize, isn't it, a moped? That's all right, that. Uh, McDonald's, I imagine, have sort of uh, dismissed their association with him. <laughs> Um, it's not the best endorsement, is it? In fact, fast food, food chains don't do very well. John Wayne Gacy, KFC. Yeah. And I found out the other day, did you know this? You know the guy in the subway adverts holding his jeans out? He's Peter a pedophile. Fell. I knew this because I googled the subway diet once because I'd heard about people doing a particular diet and I was like, is subway actually healthy? And I was reading about it. I was like, oh, he did well, didn't he? This guy losing. Oh, he's a pedo. <laughs> Oh, they enabled him. He could move quicker. He could move. What, you think it was the hunger that drove him? 
I've got this insatiable hunger inside. It must be to fuck kids. I don't think we can blame Subway for that. Jesus Christ. Well, if the paedophile community have anything to say on that, I would be very happy to hear about it. Thank you. Do you know where he did find a home, though? Because he wasn't, obviously, he wasn't accepted in the wider community at large, didn't have many friends, or he was referred to as not being able to keep friends, is is the Lions Club, which I think is um, for, like, old people. Like, we have the British Legion over here. I basically think it's where old people meet up to have a brew and moan about brown people. Yeah. Um, so he's, a safe haven for racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a, a, a static saga cruise. Yes. That's what it is. Um, and I, he, I, keep, I kind of want, I wonder if they had alcohol in there because it could have been called the Lion Bar. Oh, very good. <clears throat> and they don't have Lion Bars in America. Well, our British listeners will enjoy <laughs> that one. Actually, I don't think they'll enjoy it. No, we'll no one will enjoy that. Okay. Tell us about the murders. Um he yeah he used to he used to go there and sort of help out with the old people and they loved him and he used to do the bingo calling as well. He did. He did. He was very two uh, little ducks. I've murdered them too. <laughs> he was very helpful in the community yeah. by all accounts. The community community <laughs> and uh, all the old ladies and, and old men at the bingo at the Lions Club really liked him. And when he was actually convicted of these murders. A lot of these old ladies phoned up and said, oh, you've got to have the wrong guy. I don't think he would ever do anything like that. I don't know who that old woman is, but from her voice, I really want to fuck her. Yes. She sounds really sexy. <laughs> she is very sexy. She's very sexy. She but, sounds like Jessica Rabbit. But she's a member of the straight community, I'm afraid. So, <laughs> oh, God. Unfortunately, never going to happen. I think she's a, a member of a different community by now. This is 10 years ago. Yes, that's very true. Another person he formed a friendship, sort of, with, um, or an acquaintanceship, was the woman who worked in his local video shop. Remember those guys? The video shops. It used to be called Porky's Video, the one near me. Uh, really? And, yeah, Porky's. It was on just up the road from here. Porky's. Well, that, that, that tells me it has an extensive pornography collection. I didn't think about that at the time, but now you do say it, yes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Without a doubt. Porky's Video. My dad used to go quite often. Um... <laughs> The video shop lady, who we've not got a name, he used to go in frequently to get a selection of gay porn and also comedy films for his nieces and nephews. Because apparently he was very good with kids, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. Every weirdo I've ever met is great with little kids and good with really old people but can't speak to anyone their own age. Like, odd home-educated kids that I taught drama to... Kids who go to quite an insular private school who are just, you know, like, well, you're like, oh, you're a queer fish. They're, um, by the way, that's not, <laughs> that's a phrase that's uh, not you know, this is to what do with anything. this to Ronald on, uh, <laughs> that every day. That's not, it has nothing to do with, as far as I'm aware, it has nothing to do with sexuality, that phrase. Um, just you, means oddball. Yeah, oddball. Um, that they are always very good with people much, much younger and much, much older, but have got no, no ability to speak to anyone in their own sort of peer group. Actually, uh, one of my real hardline beliefs. Another of, of one. I've, Go I've on. Quite a few, actually. Uh, I think homeschooling, home education, should be banned. Really? Yeah. That is very hardline. I do think it should be banned. I, mean, I think it's harmful. I think children need to mix with children, not adults. I've met some strange kids in my time. They would have been strange whether they're going to school or not, though. Because I know what you mean. I, I used know. to teach loads of kids who were home educated drama. In the drama school I used to teach at, they said. There was a lot of home-educated kids, and they said, can we run a drama class for just the home-educated kids? And we were like, we'll give it a try. So we did one, and it's all these kids who are all standing in, like, opposite corners of the room, 
you know, like t- touching the wall and reciting facts about conger eels. And then we like get them in the middle and we're like, okay, what we'll do is we'll go around the circle and we'll say our name and uh, an interesting fact about ourselves. So um, my name's Kiri and my favourite food is chicken. And then went on to the next person and like, I'm going to change the name. My name's... I always go for Sarah. Let's do that. My name's Sarah. And when I was 11, my mum fell down the stairs and, and is now in a wheelchair and she can't move. And it was like, okay. And then the next one went on and then said something horrific. And it got to the point, there was three kids in, and I just had to go, it doesn't have to be anything bad. <laughs> they were just doing like a top trumps of misery oh, around. You see, this is why it shouldn't be allowed. But it's those kids would be like... There was also kids like that who went to school. It was just because they had <gasps> peculiar parents. Just... And then they got bullied in school. At least in home education, they're... They're free to be as weird as they want, and it sort of evens out towards the end. I think they should have the opportunity to be bullied. (laughs) I think they should have the opportunity to to mix with other kids. If it doesn't work out, they do mix. Some of them do mix with other kids. They're mixing with the same kids, (laughs) and just don't agree with it. Although I might, I might change my mind since the past two weeks in England, it has been announced that uh, all education, instead of being local authority, might go become academies, and that means. Basically, anyone can become a teacher. Yeah. Like, that dog I'm looking after might be a teacher <laughs> in the next six or seven years or whatever it is. It's terrifying. So there we go. Rachel. Just kids. More hardline stuff from Rachel. Yeah. You're, 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 like, delightfully right-wing in some ways. It's I brilliant. know. It's incredible, isn't it? For such yeah. a working-class person, I can really go to the right on occasion, <laughs> can't I? But yeah, um, don't get us started on uh, on genocide. Surprisingly <laughs> open-minded when it comes to that. You know, I think people should be able to express themselves. <laughs> so there was this woman in this video shop, um, and he used to come in there and he'd pick up these uh, videos for his nieces and nephews and for himself and gay porn, and he would always excitedly talk about dates that he'd been on, and he'd tell this woman all about it. And to be fair, she'd be quite progressive for in the early noughties having a conversation with an openly gay guy about his dates. But she's regretting that now. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't dates, though, was it? it was well, they think about... he was talking about the murders. And they asked her, they said, you know, with the dates, it, it, it looks like it correlates with the times that he would have been doing the murders. And she just said, I can't think about that. But when they caught up, he, he came into her and was like, they think I might be the serial killer. He said that to her, didn't he? He did. And she said... Oh, if you're the serial killer, then I'm the Queen of England. <laughs> she had a German accent, so she might yeah. well have been. <laughs> I'd like to think it was actually the Queen of England doing an actual job for a change. <laughs> that would have been refreshing, your majesty. <laughs> Happy fucking birthday. Get off the throne. See, I veer from right to left. <laughs> I'm, I'm swing, don't I? I'm yeah, never really in between. Do. I'm right or left. Is your problem with her that she's still on the throne or that there's there's a monarchy at all? There's a monarchy. Yeah, me too. Get rid. Yeah. Get rid. Absolutely. Turn it into council houses. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he was... Oh, where am I going to go next? Right wing or left wing? Who knows? <laughs> um, uh, so December the 1st, 2006, he was caught... Now, a few days before he was arrested, he at the time he was living in a trailer with his sister, um, I think on a trailer park, and he moved out because he was under constant police surveillance and he said they thought he moved out because he didn't want to bring shame on the family. I mean, ideally, don't um, rape and strangle 23 guys yeah. if you don't want to bring shame on the family. And also, tidy your trailer because it's a shit tip. <laughs> There's some footage of the inside of it. Oh, really? Minging. How we had the nerve to take people back there in the first place. He I did mean, stink, didn't he? he? Yeah. It's all adding up. Absolutely minging. Oh, God. Uh, minging, again, we must translate this for oh, yeah. our, our foreign listeners. 
just means uh, rancid, rotten, stinking. Yeah, minging, minging. There you go. Take that with you guys. Yeah. Um, he was at the time he was complaining of a heart condition. And he was walking with a cane. But they think that was vastly over-exaggerated. Because mm. uh, he had been hospitalised for a heart condition, but apparently it was minor. But he was saying, oh, my weak heart. And they, they, it was so bad, he was making such a big deal out of it, um, that they thought he wouldn't live till the trial. But he was fine. He's still alive now. Still and alive that was now. ten years ago. He's fine. Um, but he, they think they were doing it so that they were more likely to be lenient with his sentence because they thought he wouldn't live very long. Because he did live in a state where the death penalty was in place. Yes, he did. And by this point, they had set up a task force. Um, the police had, had... Wasn't it only, like, eight people, though? Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't... That's not, wasn't... Sta- that's not a task force. That's a stag night. Yeah, and it was It was more or less like they'd meet and they'd have actual meetings. It wasn't, like, in a huge room or anything. No. In fact, one of the task force meetings that they had, um, they had the meeting, and when they came out of the meeting, they'd had a phone call to tell them that they found another body. So... Oh Maybe get out of your little boardroom yeah. and go and have a look. Imagine that as well and be like, oh, we've just done our any other business section, so <laughs> it's going to have to go in the next meeting. Yeah. Pop it on the minutes. <laughs> first, first thing at the next meeting, <laughs> there were no biscuits at the last <laughs> meeting. Um, there's, it was interesting, though, because this task force was set up and there was one member of the task force called Bill Null who came to one of the meetings or got in touch with the, the other members and said they had some really important information for them. One of his parolees, who went by the name of Motormouth. Now, I'd like to know if Motormouth gave himself the nickname. No one ever gave themselves that. Or they gave him the nickname. There's a family from where I'm from in North Wales, and they called... um, I thought their surname was Panic, but it's not. It's because when they talk, they all talk like this. They talk really fast. (laughs) So the kids are known as that, like... uh, They're not going to listen, like Danny Panic. And and things like that. And it's because they all sound like... The Panics. (laughs) Yeah, they're called the Panics. I also thought I love that there was a guy there was a mixed race guy uh, in the year above me who was really beautiful and his name was his name was Ben Black or I thought it was his surname wasn't Black it was just because oh. he was the only black guy in the year oh Wales <laughs> Wales 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 <laughs> the panics <laughs> how do they talk they talk like this like they've just been chased for something they all talk really really fast <laughs> I really want to meet them <laughs> I want to meet them and panic them to see what happens <laughs> Um, but poor old Motormouth, uh, I'll say it might have been his, his own nickname, might have liked it. He was a prolet under Bill Null. And he went to Bill Null with some very important information. Uh, basically, Motormouth stops this these murders by this bit of information. Yeah. He said that he'd met this chap who said to him, do you want to come and have sex with this really attractive white woman? Shows him a picture and Motormouth says, I've always sure. wanted to fuck a vampire. So yeah, <laughs> sure, why not? So he says, come back with me, takes him to the, the trailer uh, and says, I need to tie up because she's quite shy. Uh, so he is quite, he's very streetwise and he says, no. And he thinks this is weird. So he mentions it to Bill Null. Now, what else Motormouth had done is he'd got uh, Ronald to drop him off at home as well from his <laughs> house. So he knows where Ronald lives Bill Null says, can you show us where this bloke lives? They take him to his trailer, they knock on, and he opens the door and he's like, oh, how can I help y'all? <laughs> so they question him, uh, and apparently he's quite polite. They looked into his history, they saw that he was, he'd been done for rape, and very, you know, assault, and um, annoying people on the telephone. <laughs> and he, they interviewed him, he was quite helpful and cooperative, 
and he freely gave a DNA sample. Yeah. Um, which, at the time, this is the strange thing, the DNA sample takes 10 months to come back. That can't Ten be right. Months. This is what it said on the documentary. I, I know I know it takes a long time. I know it's not like CSI where they can do it in two hours, but I'm sure even then, in like the mid-2000s, it didn't take 10 months. Unless they saw... Did they send it by Royal Mail or something? <laughs> yeah. Unless, like, it was such a high-crime area. I don't know, though. I just can't see it taking that You'd think long. it would be a, a case of... Because in the meantime, he killed someone else, didn't he? He did. So basically someone died because it took 10 yeah. months to get a it result. Killed, um, I think it was... It did kill someone else, and it wasn't one of the ones he was charged with, I don't think. Oh, really? And it was... It was a white person as well. Oh, that's noteworthy. Yeah. Nicholas uh, Pellegrin. He was 22. This was really risky, this one that he did. He met him. He was a meter reader for a while, um, Dominique. He went to this construction place, this place of work. Nicholas was a, a construction worker. He arranged to buy some cannabis off him and then met him later on and murdered him. So that was like a... A high risk thing. He was obviously feeling very confident that he wasn't mm. going to get killed. Oh, it was September two thousand and six. Chris Chris Sutterfield. He was twenty three years old. Right. And that he was, was just before he was arrested. Then. Yeah. And he was picked up by Dominique, taken to his camper van or whatever it was he lived in, raped, strangled, and dumped in a swamp area. No. So this was two weeks prior to the DNA match. Oh my so he's obviously thinking either he's going, they're going to find me out, and I'm just going to get on with it. Or he's thinking, they're never going to think it's I think, me. yeah, I think it's, you know, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example. You know when you just think, you know when you move house and you're like, oh, I didn't pay that last electricity bill, they'll never find me. And then and two years later, you're like, oh, you bastards. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that thing you just thought, they'll never catch up with me. Because he probably thought, well, the DNA hasn't matched through some weird reason or, you know, that God's made a plan for him or something. Yeah. It's very odd, but... Just the length of time is, is terrible. Once you realise that the DNA is a match, go and find Dominique, who at this point has moved out of his uh, house. He's in that well, homeless shelter. He's in a homeless shelter, because his sister kicked him out, didn't she? Yeah. God knows what for. When they arrested him, he confessed to 23 murders. Yeah, he's another one of those that started... Can't shut him up. Yeah, blabbing. But he was... If you listen to the interviews with him, he's the most whiny <laughs> little, prissy little bitch... <laughs> like he's so he blames the victims for everything really yes he's like oh yeah well he tried to rob me and then i tied him up and i strangled him and oh did this and then he did that and he cries a lot and he he? he cries a lot and it's so fake and he's got an excuse for everything it's it's just really irritating because it's the way he blames them and the way that and he gets he gets away with the death penalty because surprisingly you don't agree with the death penalty <laughs> um, he gets away with that obviously he's pleaded guilty he gets put in prison and there's a lot that like yeah. you say before he's not charged with so yeah he pleads guilty and he this is the trial and he gets uh, eight consecutive life sentences he's still alive he's still in there yep he's still in and in 1992 he ran for president how mad is that. <laughs> So this would have been just before all the killings if he only started in, like, 1997, which I don't think he did. I think he started earlier than that. But he ran for president in 92 and then he dropped out for, like, unknown reasons. Maybe he'd found a better hobby. Maybe he just didn't have the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird one. And this is... 
a good point you made when we were discussing this was the high risk lifestyle comment. Oh yeah, that we keep saying about the victims. What I've read about this is that one of the travesties is that this never really made national media coverage. Like the New York Times didn't even run a piece on this when this is a serial killer who's killed like in excess of twenty three people. And they think it's because, yeah, that they, they the victims were young black guys who were uh, either addicted to drugs or were prostitutes. And they kept referring to them as having everything I read. They're like, his victims would have high-risk lifestyles, which implies that they're stuntmen or do loads of <laughs> medical trials. But they're not. They're just guys that society has let down or have an alternative lifestyle. Yeah. But they still deserve protection. Yeah. But it's deemed it's some kind of occupational hazard if that they're if they're a prostitute, which I think is fu- totally well, fucked up. You think high risk lifestyle would mean more interest from the police to stop something happening? Exactly. High risk lifestyle is killing twenty three guys. Yeah. It's not being a it's not being a victim of murder. Yeah, or having a lack of opportunities. Yeah, it's... and while I was looking through trying to find a list of victims, which was really hard to find because no one bothered writing these poor guys' names down. One of the articles that popped up was um, from DallasVoice.com, which I assume is, is down south that way. And uh, it, the like pull quote, the headline from this article was uh, "Alleged Gay Serial Killer Arrested." <laughs> now, I don't think the alleged should be on the gay. Like that's the bad thing. <laughs> Probably should be on the serial killer. Um, but yeah, it was just another case of it being the wrong people in inverted commas who are being murdered. So yeah. it's not a priority. Which is really, really sad. It's very sad. Someone referred to it... You read an interview, didn't you? Yeah, there was a particular... Um, it was a documentary I was watching, and one of the... It was a reporter who'd actually worked on the case. She was talking about the lack of interest in it mm. when it was occurring. And she said a lot of people referred to these people going missing as he's just taking out the trash. Like he's performing some kind of civic duty. Yeah. It's horrid. It's just really sad. Part of me thinks, I'm sorry you were bullied for being gay, but part of me thinks, toughen up a bit, mate. Yeah, cut those Don't nails. Don't take it out on everyone else. Yeah. Stop smelling of those awful candles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's so sad because it's just this similar thing that happens yeah. again and again that we see that if you pick the right people, you can get away with it for longer. And it will continue to happen. It's probably happening right now. This happened in, nine, uh, this happened in 2006. Yeah. So this isn't like we're talking about it in like 1906 where, you know, people had a really conservative attitude towards any kind of like race or... It's just 10 years ago. Yeah, it's 10 years ago and the police were still ignoring it. So there we go. This is uh, Ronald Joseph Dominique, the Bayou, am I saying it right? Bayou. Bayou killer, Bayou strangler, who is a musical theatre lover. (laughs) Although when I say Bayou, it just sounds like me saying, uh, I've bought this new painting and I'm going, oh yeah, Bayou. It's terrible in my accent. Terrible. Like when I said BTK and everyone thought, I think I was saying Peter K. (laughs) Oh yeah. You've got loads of tweets for that. Every time Rachel says BTK, I think she's saying BTK. <laughs> Garlic bread, BTK. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. Yes. Thank you so much for all of you. Like, it's gone crazy recently. It's so lovely. Uh, we've extended the bandwidth again because so many of you are listening. We've been recommended loads of places. That's great. Someone on Twitter, let me find their name now, done an amazing serial killer bingo because we... <laughs> It's very good. We mention it on uh, the podcast quite a lot that there's there's obviously sort of um, themes that appear again and again in serial killers, you know, like an abusive home, etc., etc. So she's done a serial killer bingo for us. We put it on our Twitter and it's absolutely banging. It's excellent. Um, yeah, please go. Her name is 
uh, at Playdate Crasher, Krista D. Thank you so much. It's absolutely amazing. So if you, re- I mean, if you want to make this podcast even more distasteful, yeah. <laughs> play the serial killer bingo along. I think we've we've hit quite a few today already. I wonder if there's anything I can. Caucasian is one of those. Double Life is one of those. So already we've hit already. quite a few, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and he was a bingo caller. <laughs> oh God, down yeah. there. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. And um, so we decided we we're going to do quite a biggie next. Yeah, drop um, yourself in. Yeah, it's one of my favours, actually. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it's Dennis Nilsson. Woo! Uh, the Muswell Hill murderer, or the yep. kindly killer, he was kindly known kill. as. And that's all off the top of my head as well, because I'm a big fan of big fan of Nielsen. Because he's, I think, one of the ones that got me interested in the first place. He's very interesting. And here we're going to we're gonna have the whole Jeffrey Dahmer versus Dennis Nielsen thing, aren't we, with you? Yeah, we're going to have that. <laughs> we're going to go into that again. That's going to happen. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. If you do enjoy what we do, um, give us a nice rating, because that just means more people find us um, and tell a person you know. Thanks very much. We love making it, and we like that you enjoy listening. And so. thank you for all the nice little reviews you've done so far. And uh, keep interacting with us on Twitter, because uh, we enjoy it, and it makes us feel normal. Yes, thank Thank you you very much, and we'll see you next time.